Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the leftist podcast dedicated to the reevaluation of your favorite crappy films. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. And we have a new intro that I only stumbled over uh, <laughs> recording once as opposed to our old one from last year. Yeah. Where I uh, would stumble over uh, the read every time, at, le- at least two or three times. Yeah. Well, I think that is the first time you stumbled over it, but perhaps not the last. Uh, although, we'll yeah, it's... I think you'll probably stumble over it less than <laughs> the old one, um, yes, as our yes. unlocked uh, blooper showed. Yeah, yeah. No, well, we're missing our our, our 2021, um, or rather our 2020 final episode, the blooper for this year. We'll we'll have to find other content for that one. Oh, I'm sure it will exist. <laughs> because, yeah, there will be plenty. <laughs> I'm sure we'll create it soon enough. Plenty to come. Um, but yeah, new year, new decade. Yeah. Uh, same pro con with a with a new intro mm-hmm. uh same host just us um <laughs> same I, host, sorry if same this disappoints you <laughs> uh actually the our movie for this episode it's a fun throwback to our very first episode yes what is old is new folks um mm-hmm. so our first episode was venom uh this first episode of the new year and new decade is spider-man 3 uh all Hell the way yeah. back in 2007 directed by sam raimi uh oh, yeah. the first time venom was put on the silver screen uh yeah this is um this this venom <sighs> I don't like Venom that much. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm only, not a big Venom fan. The I I like Spider-Man a lot. He, he's one of the great superhero characters. But like Venom is is the most edgy, try-hard villain, um, ever. Uh, the the only time I've ever really liked Venom was for the the Tom Hardy um film. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've read the original run um, where Venom uh, was created by um, Todd McFarlane. You know, in that Spider-Man run. It's not good. I mean, and then yeah. Maximum Carnage also not very good. I mean, created by Todd, Todd McFarlane, enough said. <laughs> to, to, to to steal uh, Stanley's uh, one-liner from this movie, enough said. Yep, enough said, folks. Yeah, um, I think I'm trying to think back of like other Venom comics I've read, and um, I think some of my favorite appearances of Venom are actually in Ghost Rider comics from the '90s. Right, um, because right. I think Venom is the first person that Dan Ketch Ghostwriter does the penance stare onto, um, where the penance stare does not work on him. Is it because he's like an alien? Yeah, because the, the alien Venom? symbiote yeah. uh, doesn't work, and uh, therefore I think like Ghostwriter gets knocked out. Actually, yeah. interesting. They team up eventually, but at, at, originally they're they're enemies. They fight in a sewer. And actually, going off of that Dan Ketch run of Ghostwriter that you like so much and that you've lent to me. Um, another character, similarly, Punisher. I think he he's an example. He he's like Venom in that like he doesn't work so much on his own. He's better with other characters. To yeah. Off of. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's um, there's a few Punisher uh, cameos in the uh, in the Dan Kench run of Ghost Rider. Right. One of my favorites is when him, Ghost Rider, and Wolverine team up. They go to like an Eastern European village and they fight demons damn yeah because blackheart like takes over this eastern european village so they just like just team up for i don't know why they team up for some random they were, reason they were in ukraine looking for um looking for hunter biden <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, they they wanted to be the next burisma uh exactly. ceos uh but back to the matter at hand um as the world burns burns down around us um spider-man 3 uh directed by sam raimi came out in 2007 um, continuation of the first two uh, very famous, very well, very very beloved uh, Spider-Man movies. 
um, kind of kind of kickstarted the new generation of superhero movies. Oh yeah, th- for sure. These and the X Men movies mm-hmm. too. And this was the first one I remember. I remember being on vacation with my cousins in upstate New York and seeing the yes. poster in a, in a movie theater for Spider Man. And I don't mm. even know, know if the trailer had come out yet, but we just saw the poster, and I mean, we were just like, just we came in our pants, Pe- we Peter just, pants. Yeah. We were just so excited for this movie. Um, yeah, I, I had actually never seen this one. I, I saw the first one, like, opening day. I, I fucking loved it as a kid. I saw the second one, opening day, packed theater, loved it. For some reason, I, I just completely skipped this one. Yeah, um, I saw this in theaters with a group of friends, um, and I think we just, like, all came to the consensus that it was trash. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that kind of, like, herd mentality of seeing these movies with a, a group of friends. Um, yeah. You know, you, when you're a teenager and you think, you know, some of the stuff's kind of cheesy and hokey. Um, right. I, I think now with this reevaluation, though, uh, we were wrong to say that about this film. Um, but yeah, I, I would imagine probably like films like uh, the third X-Men film probably don't hold up that well. <laughs> yeah. We, we probably will eventually do X-Men 3 because it, it kind of, the X-Men, that trilogy kind of parallels the Spider, this yeah. Spider-Man trilogy. It does. It's very true. Um, kind of groundbreaking first one improved second one fan fan hated third one yeah 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 for sure um but returning in this movie of course um all the same actors from the first two we have toby mcguire kirsten dunst uh james franco uh introducing thomas hayden church uh topher grace bryce dallas howard um and then recurring smaller character actors like um rosemary harris jk simmons bill nunn um elizabeth banks dylan baker James Cromwell, uh, Bruce Campbell, Cliff Robertson, Willem Dafoe, and <laughs> and um, a character who only appears briefly in this one, but he had, he had a major but still small role in the first one. He played the the the, the character is the one who kills Uncle Ben. Yeah, but the actor is named Michael Papa John. Papa John, which is it's his real last name, and it's wow, spelled like perfecto. that too, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's really, it's, it just it's doesn't not, have the space between the words. Yeah, it, it's not like a phonetic connection there it's literally p-a-p-a-j-o-h-n <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry michael papajohn i'm sure you're a good guy but it's just an absurd last name good actor i mean he's, he's good, in that good. Part. yeah he's yeah. he's great as uh dennis carradine the killer of uncle ben mm-hmm. um i think actually dylan baker was new to the series in this one no he was in the second was one. he in the second one really yep. oh. um hmm. when peter's having like his his confidence crisis and like the impotence metaphor for the, his powers. And then he starts focusing more on school. There's a couple like, uh, scenes with the Dr. Connors. He's like, Peter, you're doing, you're doing excellent lately. Oh shit. Okay. I do remember that. Yeah. But James Cromwell's new to the series. James Cromwell's new. He, he plays, uh, commissioner, police commissioner, Stacy, uh, captain, captain. (laughs) It's written right there. I don't know. I don't know the difference. I was thinking, I was thinking commissioner Gordon, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Who, Who cares? He's useless in this movie. He does nothing. Um, he hugs Gwen Stacy when she's safe. Yeah, yeah. He just like looks up at her when she's falling off a building, and that's really it. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, if you were just to look at the Rotten Tomato scores and the budget and um, box office pull of this movie, you'd say, "Why are you guys doing this film?" Uh, the budget of this film was two hundred and fifty-eight million. The box office was eight hundred ninety point nine million. Uh, yep. The tomato meter score is sixty-three percent, and the audience score is 51 percent. so not much of a disparity um no. but you know as we were saying um 
when we were teenagers, the common narrative was that this movie was trash. Uh, the yeah. the jazz scene and the dancing stuff was dumb. Venom was shoehorned in there. Yada yada. It just whiffed like the third beat of a trilogy. Yeah, kind of kind of narrative. Um, yeah, like the, this was the the most expensive movie ever made when it came out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> which is wild, um, especially especially in like a post MCU landscape that that's kind of crazy right also another thing that i thought was really interesting was it was the highest grossing spider-man film um at the time yes like it, it was which is nuts yeah like not for all the crap it gets and for all um in, in like all the all the fan criticisms of it like the idea that in a trilogy the first one made money and the second one made more money and then the third one made even more money that 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 seems uncommon to me. It doesn't happen often. I mean, yeah. we've shown with some of the films that we've done that are either the second or third in a trilogy. Sometimes they they flatline at some yeah. point, but not with this one. I mean, it just kept no. going up and up and up. And it probably would have again if they made a fourth one. It probably would have made like a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, the the production for this is super weird. Like there was a fourth one slated, and then Raimi just took off because he had enough of this shit. Um, and and. Some sources say there were even like a fifth and a sixth one planned. With That's like, insane. <laughs> yeah, like Ben Ben Kingsley as the Vulture was floated. Um, Anne Hathaway as Felicia Hardy, Black Cat was floated. Yeah. Um, of course, um, Dylan Baker as Kurt Connors, who becomes Lizard, was was also um, proposed. But right. yeah, nothing. And then we get the the reboot with Andrew Garfield, and that is yep. the Lizard in the first yep. one. Um, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in it a theater. It is awful. Yeah, it's really bad like, again like good cast like andrew garfield as peter parker mm-hmm. is great in theory um just dog shit movie yeah real, real dog shit i don't even remember who else is in that movie oh reese Ephens plays uh kurt connors but that's all i can remember uh emma stone is gwen stacy that's right um, yes uh dennis leary is her father oh he's captain stacy <laughs> right Stacey, right right yeah. oh my god um oh and what's his face um the the president from west wing is uncle ben yes michael sheen yeah, Mike, is it Michael Sheen? President, president, yeah, yeah, President Bartlett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that that asshole. One of the he, Sheens. He comes, um, yeah, he's Uncle Ben, and and Sally Fields is Aunt May. Right, right. Damn, I. I, I yeah, you just, we just both said, oh, I don't remember who's in this movie. Oh, well, here it is. It's every single actor. And let's get down to like uh, the the B list and C list actors are in this movie as well. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I have a clue. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we do have a we do have a review here um, by Bob Mondello from NPR. And Mondello writes, aren't we done yet? When a superhero franchise leans as regularly as this one does on its characters, emotions, and backstories, maybe it's predictable that by episode three, it'll become an effects-laden as the web turns. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) But at 141 minutes, this super opera is seriously overextended. Oh, it's supposed to say, oh, he's making a pun there. I thought I just... Super (laughs) opera, super opera, God. (laughs) That's fucking awful. God, thanks, NPR. Good job. Jesus (laughs) Christ gulag this guy yeah uh i'll just start that sentence over yeah but, um but at 141 minutes this super opera super opera is seriously overextended with four distinct subplots and way too much hand-wringing over things like the heroine singing career spidey's got a dark side harry's got amnesia mary jane's a pill sandman's misunderstood in venom well venom's a mess of black goo and that's why he's awesome but it's hard, to, it's hard to gin up as much suspense when your supposedly vulnerable hero can get hit by a moving train and bounce off unhurt. Director Sam Raimi shoots everything but the big effect sequences in close-up, presumably so the movie will look good when it gets played on cell phones in a few weeks. 
and he visualizes Aunt May's observation that revenge is like a is like a poison that can turn us into something ugly. By turning Peter Parker into a smarmy Euro trash version of John Travolta in a Saturday Night Fever, it's a good thing the effects are state of the art. Uh, the effects aged horribly. Yeah, the effects are awful in a lot, <laughs> a lot of places. <laughs> um, and he he does this thing common to a lot of like critics that are too smart by half, like internet online internet movie critic with whom I have a one sided beef that shall go unnamed. Does this <laughs> <a lot>. movie <laughs> um, They they write out like this really long metaphor or comparison yep. that stretches for like two or three lines yep. and like by the time you get to the end of it you forget what like what the starting point was yep exactly um it's it's really hard to read it does it it's just like this desperate attempt to show off your your writing chops um and i'm not surprised it like came out in npr mm-hmm. yeah no that's kind of the reason i i put this one in there kind of reminded me of <laughs> <Good> um <laughs> Uh, film Robert and um, it just sucked. This review sucks and is wrong on so many levels. Uh, yes. <laughs> also, yeah, just like calling I, Mary Jane a pill, it's like, hmm, okay, interesting. Yeah, that was that's an interesting that, choice like a, of words. <laughs> that's like a charmingly patriarchal like term. It's just yeah. like, <laughs> and also totally inaccurate. I don't think that's why. Like, yeah, it's like that's, what do that, you? That's like, not what, her character what, what arc it, at all. What does pill even mean? It it it's like a, it's it's like insulting, right? Yeah, a pill is like someone who's kind of uh, I don't know what a, a pill uh, is. Is know. it like you're too hysterical, so take like your pills? Um, no, I think it's like like you're kind of like not fun. Okay, I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah, like stiff and yeah. Okay, I don't know the etymology what? of using that word for an insult as, but it is an insult, which is weird because Mary Jane's at her best in this movie she's ever been in the right. entire trilogy, right? I, I really do not understand um, what he's talking about there. I mean, uh, I think he's wrong where he just talks about Sam Raimi using too many close-ups. Like, I don't I don't think there's an overabundance of close-ups in this movie. Yeah, I, I, can, I, I can think of, like, a couple sequences, but they're, like, they're spaced out. They're not... Right. They're, there's not an overabundance of them that... God, fuck it. It's another Bob, that's why. Fuck, it's yeah. another, it's another <laughs> It's another movie Bob. <laughs> And Mondello is Italian for a movie. It's not. Just kidding. <laughs> um, um, but even like his reference to Saturday Night Fever, it's obvious like that scene's supposed to be the Nutty Professor. Like he's too dumb to even like do the right reference in here. Even from a superficial level, like, like I, I didn't, I, I, I was aware that there was an original Nutty Professor with with Jerry Lewis, but like I know nothing about it. But like. There, there's a visual similarity to that dancing scene to Saturday Night Fever, but like, it's not supposed to be like taken at face value. Like, right. like he, Rainey's yes. like doing a thing with the character, and I don't. It just a crappy review that I almost completely disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> Starting the year off strong with these reviews, I'm just going to keep yes. doing it. They're going to get worse <laughs> and worse, folks. I will throw I will throw Mandela a bone though because um, I do agree that Venom is the redheaded stepchild of this movie. Um, actually, Carnage would be the redhead oh. of this movie because because Woody Harrelson with the worst wig Woody ever. Woody Harrelson's red red mop, <laughs> but um, yeah, Venom is the it, he sticks out like a sore thumb for he sure. Does. Yeah, it it's it's infamous that I mean by now it's infamous. Um, this movie's reputation, and um, I know that Raimi and producer Avi Arid have both gone on record as saying that like it was a mistake to include Venom. Mm-hmm. Um, right, because Arid made him put Venom in. Like, Raimi had no interest in putting Venom in this film. 
Um, maybe the subsequent films, but not this one. Exactly. Yeah, because because Raimi at the, before three finished, I, I to the best of my knowledge that I could find, Raimi was still tentatively interested in doing four. Um, and and I I think he would have preferred to keep Venom at least for four out of this one, but Arid wanted like more villains for I'm sure for marketing purposes and all that crap. Right. More toys, um, more Legos, all that exactly. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think Aviat Red is just a fucking moron to begin with. Like, I mean, he's produced the yeah. worst fucking Marvel films. He had a hell of a year in 2007 this year because he had this, um, which, I mean, our our revisionist take on it did not perform well with fans anyway, even if it made a lot of money. He had Ghost Rider. Yep. He had Fantastic Four, Rise <laughs> of the Silver Surfer, and, and the Bratz movie. Oh my God, what a fucking yeah. shit. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. how do you keep going how do you not like just like give up and like i don't know become like a, something honorable like a janitor like how do you not do that um i mean he when you own the rights to marvel's most popular character i, I think you kind of walk away from anything feeling bulletproof yeah um, yeah no it's true and he, he still is involved in the marvel films mm-hmm. at this point yeah yeah he he's he's involved in marvel films he, he did he helped produce venom yeah that's right yeah. Um, he and he's working on the the Morbius, the Living Vampire movie. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because that's one of the few, like in Spider Man stable that that um, Sony still has as opposed to Marvel. Right. And Marvel's trying to take away from it though, um, with yep. their Moonlight's Moonlight, their Moon Knight series. Moon Knight, he's gonna yep. have Dracula oh, in it and um, Werewolf by Night. So they're gonna be like. <sighs> Hey, as you release your Morbius the Living Vampire, we're gonna also release a vampire thing. Fuck you. <laughs> and Blade. And Blade, right. Um, and they're just doing like a double fuck you to them. Yeah, I don't know. This is getting off topic a little bit, but like I, I really I hope, but I kind of feel it in the air that like 2020 is the year that like Marvel produces like their first critic or critical and or commercial failure movie. Oh, for sure. Eternals. It's gonna be the Eternals. Hundred percent. I don't know how the Eternal yeah, like I cool in concept i guess if they wanted to do like a new gods if dc wanted to, to to do a new gods thing that'd be great but like i do not understand how the eternals got greenlit that that's beyond me yeah no it's gonna it's gonna suck um what else don't we like about this movie i mean venom i think like we were saying earlier venom only really works if you do something interesting with the character like he he needs to be put in a situation where he's not just standing and snarling and looking cool like he is in this movie. Yeah. Like, he doesn't do anything. No. And I mean, um, he's only in the last 20 minutes of this movie anyway, so. Yeah, like, the, the symbiote attaches to Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man is dark and evil and badass for, like, much of the middle of the movie. And then it the he gets the symbiote off and it attaches to Eddie Brock. Um, it, it It's just Eddie Brock. Like, it's not Venom. Right, right. Venom isn't like an entity in this universe. Mm-mm. No, no. And, you know, everything's just like so backloaded too. like, I mean, it just yes. happens so quickly. Like he becomes Venom in like the two seconds after the symbiote falls off Peter Parker, like literally as it falls off of him, it falls onto Eddie yeah. Brock. He becomes Venom in that second. And then yeah. he, you know, he uh, does the, the, the last set piece where he he takes Mary Jane and teams up with Sandman. Like that all happens within maybe ten minutes, if if not maybe two yeah. minutes. Even <laughs> you you could really feel that like the first draft of this movie was just Sandman. Oh, for um, sure. And 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 Venom was 
like woven in as, as best they could. Um, but it, it, it just doesn't feel seamless whatsoever. No, no. I mean, it was so obvious that this film was supposed to be Sandman and Harry as the new Green Goblin. Yep, yep. Uh, and then, yeah, um, Arid really fucked him up with this with this Venom shit. And as we said, the CGI, when it needs to work really well, it does like... Um, some of some of those some of those bad close-ups on thomas hayden church when he's like half sand yeah. look really cool yeah um the sand effects in general look they're serviceable but just like so, some of the some of the airborne fights where it's like harry and peter punching each other or harry and venom punching each other um or, or peter and venom punching each other like as they fall through the air and the camera's like spinning around them like crazily um it it i felt like 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 this 80 year old man trying to watch like a new marvel movie it's just like incomprehensible (laughs) you can't tell what the hell's going on yeah yeah it looks awful yeah no i mean when it's full cgi people flying through the air in this film um for me there's some moments where sam raimi and his cinematographer bill pope like they know how to shoot the web slinging really well um, yes, and I think that's because Bill Pope also was a cinematographer of Spider-Man Two, and he's worked with Raimi for years. He his first film he was the cinematographer was um, Raimi's Dark Man. He was a cinematographer mm-hmm. for Army of Darkness, so I think he kind of knows Sam Raimi's rhythm. Um, so there's some stuff where you can really see it, like some of the just singular web slinging, like Spider-Man, sling, you know, swinging through the air. Um, but then, yeah, some of the stuff where characters are just, you know, falling and, you know. I think, like, I want to be clear, like, the, the, uh, want to be clear? Um, <laughs> the, the, the web slinging moments are good. Like, that's a staple of the series and yeah. they look really awe-inspiring and they're really cool and everything. But, um, the, the fight scenes, like, like when, when Harry and Peter are tumbling through the sky for, like, th- three minutes and they're just punching each other and the camera's literally just spinning yeah. like gyroscoping around them. That that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Um, the part where they fight through the alleyway is so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like the, the actual sequences, like when the camera can pull back and watch Spider-Man swing gracefully, look really, look, look, they do look good. Mm-hmm. You know, and I do enjoy a lot of the action set pieces because Raimi really redeems them with just like the use of the sp- Base, yes, yes. Um, the use of the buildings, the use of yep. um, the subway tunnel with the fight with Sandman the first time. Uh, well, no, it's the second time. Yeah, it's the second time that Spider-Man and Sandman fight. Um, yep. And just like his use of the scenery in general, you know, these are mostly CGI spaces, so that can look fairly lifeless. But he always has like the characters interact with like a sewer grate. Or the bricks right. of a building, or right. glass. You know, it's very tactile, and I really appreciate mm-hmm. that about all the action scenes. It is like a pretty good way of just bringing things to life. Um, and Raimi was also apparently infamous for on set, like he would like throw shit at the actors during action <laughs> scenes. Um, like good. In this, fuck yeah, fuck them. Do that. Do that. That's great. I think it's in the second one when someone robs a bank. I think maybe Doc Off robs a bank or something. <laughs> Oh, and he throws um, a bag of coins at Spider-Man, I think. Yeah, like Sam Raimi actually was like off camera, like throwing coins at him. <laughs> that's am- that's great. So I, I like imagine that. he did stuff like that in this one. I mean, there's a lot of debris flying around in these mm-hmm. in these action scenes. And so I, I appreciated that. You don't see a lot in like 
the action movies of today, or especially the, the you know the comic book movies of today. Yeah, not oh, a great oh, yeah. use of the scenery sets and just like you know. I think the most like infamous example is the airport fight scene in Civil War. Um, it's just like this big flat field. Yeah, with like CGI objects thrown in, and and characters fighting in front of a green screen. It, it's yeah, Sam. Raimi does utilize the CGI environments better for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, there's still there's moments where it just looks fucking awful. Like the in the end when um, Spider Man's swinging on the 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 construction and he Mary Jane is like falling and he he scoops her up and he saves her. They're they're like both fully CGI and they get uh, the CGI is a little too close to the camera. It just yeah. looks atrocious when you can actually yeah. see like Mary Jane's face, like see fully CGI face and body. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember in early, I was, I was watching the Ebert review on TV of the first one. And he said that like one of the problems with it was that Spider-Man felt too weightless. And it, it, it that feels more true here than it ever did in the first two. Yeah. I think that's fair. But yeah, so I guess we should get into it. The Spider-Man three, the the plot, the plot rundown. Yeah. So um, the um, plot's all over the place. That is true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll give um, Bob Mandello that. Mandello. <laughs> uh, I I need a Mandello. I need a whole case of Mandello after hey, I listen to Bob Mandello. Very true. Um, and the other. Uh, Robert, who reviews movies as well. Who's showing her name? Uh, nameless. R- nameless. Nameless and faceless because he wears dumbass sunglasses all the time. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it starts off with... P- I actually don't remember how it starts off at all. <laughs> well, it kind of picks right up after the the, sec- the second one, right? Um, Peter has gotten Mary Jane back. They're together. Right. She knows um, he's Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she she knows a secret. They're officially a couple. Um, he's actually going to her performances. Um, yeah, things are going great for him. That's right. he, she's an actress on the stage, like yep, off Broadway, probably not Broadway, but yeah, we we get the impression that she's like working her way mm-hmm. up. Um, yeah, and everything in Peter's life is going great. He's back in school, um, which is kind of an aborted plot line there. But he, oh yeah, he's it goes still in- absolutely nowhere. <laughs> He, he's still attending classes, and, and Gwen Stacy is one of his class is his lab partner actually. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. Side, side note, really quick. Gwen Stacy, um, super distracting as someone who knows the source material. Um, it it should have been just another like attractive woman, like right. Ha- have having it be like the formative tragic figure from Peter's past is, is it was so distracting. Yeah, I just. I think when I first saw this film, I thought she was going to die. I mean, because that's yeah, you know, same, that's her same. character arc in, in the original comics. But then she doesn't. Uh, and then what, were they going to bring her back in the next one and kill her? That would make no sense either. Well, according to one of the abandoned um, proposed storylines for Spider-Man 4, um, Black Cat would have had an affair with Peter in destroying <laughs> his marriage to Mary Jane. So who knows Incredible. what the hell they Wow. Yeah, yeah no, they were just um, probably going to just drop Gwen Stacy altogether, I imagine. Drop Quincy. Hey, <laughs> off a motherfucking bridge. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, Pete, everything in Peter's life is going great. Um, but the first, the first inklings of trouble um, pop up when Mary Jane, she kind of feels, um, I guess, taken for granted by him. Yeah, it, it's like, and w- which is a very realistic and believable thing for like a relationship problem to be 
like the the nerd the shy nerdy guy works so hard to get like the girl of his dreams and now that he has her like oh well that's it like i, I made it to the, to the finish line. right exactly he doesn't put a lot of work into the relationship at all um it's pretty obvious like he has a hard time empathizing with her as well i think just like empathizing with people in general there could be a case made that he's like a fucking sociopath um <laughs> i don't, i think it's more a case of like non non-diagnosed like asperger's like a lot of nerds are like socially inept yeah I just mean, kind of he's an uber nerd and i think yeah i, I don't know if I, I would have to watch it again but i bet toby mcguire does the thing that um uh what's his name did uh for hannibal um anthony hopkins anthony hopkins like not blinking like i think <laughs> oh my god yeah. like i actually do not think he blinks much in this movie like he just has he that blinks, like wide eyes to cry Oh yeah, yeah. When he has to cry, mm-hmm. yeah. But he has like wide-eyed stare throughout this whole movie. Like you see his yeah, like, whole eyeball. Yes. Yeah, he he has giant eyes, um giant bulging protruding eyes. <laughs> yeah, like, throughout this whole movie. It's distracting. Yeah, it is. But it's I, I think um, it's perfect for the character though. Like I think it makes sense. I yeah. think he he plays the best nerd ass loser Peter Parker. Yeah, he, he Andrew Garfield, although uh, I I think Andrew Garfield's a good actor. Um especially in stuff like silence he, he's just way too hot yeah. to be peter parker he's way too suave and cool um tom holland i guess is okay but i i do have issues with his portrayal of peter parker yeah he just looks like a child so i don't know well i mean he, he he's he is a also a child version. but yeah yeah exactly like he's he's much younger he's not like college and he, age he, or anything like that and his dorkishness is kind of more affected than than toby mcguire's mm-hmm. toby mcguire is very naturally a dork and it works here yeah yeah and it's, and you know he's a different kind of dork the the tom holland stuff like he's more of like he is a science dork but like they lean more into like the pop culture dork stuff yes whereas yes. like toby Maguire is very much like just straight up science dork like i don't think he ever mentions pop culture like ever in any of these films yeah i don't think he does and that 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 kind of works with the whole like alternate cartoony universe yeah. that Remy Remy sets up for all of these like these movies feel so good because they they don't feel like a a segmented off like caricature right of mm-hmm. of our world like the MCU does like they they feel like their own cohesive thing like one one brief thing from the beginning actually when Peter Peter's thinking about proposing to Mary Jane um he looks into a shop window and he sees um an engagement ring for sale and then the shopkeeper walks over and puts down a little card next to it and it says like lay away or it says lay away yeah like layaway layaway options available and then he looks up and he smiles at peter and peter smiles back and like that's such like a humanizing moment Mm -hmm. just for that one old guy that doesn't appear anywhere else in the movie yeah um in in all three of these movies are filled with just like little bit character characters that are played by extras that feel so real yeah no exactly even like the the super in his building that like eastern european guy (laughs) and his daughter like they're great like they're so absurd it's like why are they even in here they do nothing but i love that they give them the time Mm -hmm. um i think the most prominent example is elizabeth banks plays betty brand yes who would be wouldn't even be a character in an mcu movie first of all but like if it was it would just be like a throwaway like like not even Mm -hmm. A role like the camera wouldn't actually focus on her at all right but she she she's her own person in this universe which is great yeah. similar with bill nunn um yep who's yep. uh what is that character's name uh jay jonah jameson robbie robertson ba- ba- babysitter yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> joseph robbie robertson um yep. he's great like he just like yep. he plays the straight man to jk simmons yes. jay jonah jameson's like you know like 
fury enraged you know psycho mm-hmm. editor pretty well yeah um simmons is great in this movie as he is in all three of them uh, and the other two i mean um just like the perfect the like the most accurate comic to movie yeah. portrayal of anything ever the little bit with the um the blood pe- pressure medication that was good that was yes. good um and you know it's just funny stuff like that where like Raimi really comes through and like you know his his comedy horror you know chops um yep. come through um so quickly it's just a really uh funny little scene where i think it's the first scene we see j jonah jameson and he's getting is, um yeah. just agitated over spider-man or something like that i think it's always spider-man for him well it, it's a little more it's, they give him a little more depth like it's new advertising proposals for the daily Bureau oh yeah that's funny and that's sam raimi's yeah. uh, brother ivan raimi yes who's the, guy, the, the, the marketing, marketing guy, guy. Proposes, yeah <laughs> That's yeah, great. so he's getting he's getting agitated with Ivan Raimi's character, this marketing guy, about um, just like a, this dumbass new logo that the marketing department came up with. And uh, <laughs> Betty Brant, um, you know, Elizabeth Banks' character, she just keeps buzzing in. She's like, "Remember your blood pressure. Uh, take your take medication." Your and then he like he starts going towards one pill, and she like hits the buzzer, and the buzzer just like shakes his whole desk. And he's like, "Okay." And then he goes for another one. She hits the buzzer, whole desk shakes. And then he goes for the last one. He just points at it and she's like, yep, that's it. And then he grabs it and she does the buzzer again. And he has the cap open by then and all the pills just fly out. It's just, it's a funny little beats like that, that like we do not see in any of the MCU anymore. Like that stuff's gone because it's all about getting the plot and getting it through as quick as possible. There are quips, but they're agonizing like Joss Whedon style quips. Right. Um, there's the humor doesn't, extend to physical interactions like with the set and with props like that um and they're not character-based humor it, no it's, it's literally mm-hmm. just like li- lines can be given to the lines are so interchangeable it's like playing with um like the magnetic poetry on a fridge yeah yeah no it's it's bullshit and you know the characters yeah. can't interact with the real world in these fucking mcu films because there's no real world to interact with half the time everything's fucking cgi exactly. i mean as much as this film cgi it's even worse nowadays while we're making enemies um, on film Twitter, we might as well call out that bullshit. I, I think it's one perfect shot or something. Oh my or, god, um, the worst. Or every every frame of painting or some uh, bullshit like that. One perfect shot is the is the Twitter page. Yeah, that they just like, uh, yeah they'll just have one they, like clip or just one like yeah one one shot. frame from a yeah. yeah. They they one of the more infamous ones. I think this was, this was last year. They they put up a scene from Endgame, like the final battle, like the this huge landscape of like. The, the the rubble and the smoke and like the, the hordes of enemies running at each other and they're like one perfect shot and it's, it's literally just some asshole made this on a computer yeah. like there's nobody actually there no it's insane not a single person there it doesn't even look good the color palette's total trash no you cannot mud. tell what happens in in that fight scene in that movie um yeah. totally incomprehensible you know and that's a problem i think with those guys the russos in general like they they thought they could do the jason bourne stuff that paul greengrass can do but they can't mm. they're not good yeah. at it they're not smart they did the fucking marley and me movie <laughs> i always forget that yeah just... they're fucking idiots <laughs> another movie i saw in theaters which is trash um <laughs> so yeah everything's going well in peter's life although his relationship with mary jane is is kind of um struggling um harry osborne is still pissed at him um, cause he thinks that Spider-Man killed who, who he now knows is Peter killed his father. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We get all um, that in the last two movies. Yeah. He attacks Peter, um, using some technology left over from his dad's experiments. 
um, under the alias New Goblin, although Peter knows who it is. Um, and during their fight, uh, he suffers like a concussion and he has um, he suffers amnesia. Yeah, it's great. It's ridiculous. I like it. <laughs> I, like I like it. That. No, I do too. It's absurd. It's su- it's super soap opera. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's super hammy. It's super like serialized TV of the week, which is what comic books are. Mm-hmm. And I also think like there's there's an aspect of like old Hollywood to this film as well. Like I think the way it's shot, the very stuff much. that's not action scenes, I think is like very like there's a lot of static shots. Um, there's a lot of old style camera techniques, like a lot of crane shots and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's a great yeah. crane shot. So when we are first introduced to Harry's character in this movie, at least when we see him for the first time in the movie, um, Peter is in the front row watching Mary Jane during the play. Um, and then there's a cam- uh, crane shot that goes up to Harry in the private box. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's just like so simple. And like, I don't know, you just don't see something like that anymore in these fucking MCU films. Not that we have to keep comparing it to MCU films, but it's so stark. We kind of do. We kind of do. do. We have to redeem these movies and make people make these kind of movies again. Or just, you know what, don't make superhero movies, folks. That's actually better, but... (laughs) Yeah, but, um, no, you're right. I I didn't even make that connection, but that is true. Like, um, the inclusion of like crowd shots during fight scenes feels yeah. very old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's like, like actual little... extras. It's actual people yeah. standing there. Yeah. It, it's a huge crowd of actual people. And we, we cut to like different reaction shots of them saying like, wow, cool. Here's yeah. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that it, yeah, there is something to that, like, old Hollywood comparison. Yeah, like that. and even just the score, Danny Elfman's score, like, has oh, yeah. a lot of, like, old Hollywood-type, like, late motifs and stuff like that. So I think, and, and Raimi's just again, a smart director, and, you know, yeah. Bill Pope's a great cinematographer, and Elfman's just a great, you know, composer. Elfman did this one, right? I'm not making that up. <laughs> Let's do some patented live research, oh, folks. Live action. My uh, Spider-Sense research here going on. Uh, no, Christopher Young. Oh, well, he did good. Did Elfman yeah, do any he, of them? Elfman did the first two. Let me check. I think he did. Christopher Young only did this one. Um, Elfman did Elfman did the first one. Okay. And Elfman did the second one. Okay, so this is the only one he did not do. Correct. It's pretty good but, though. It's still a good score. Yeah, it is, and and the theme that he that Elfman created for this version of Spider Man is a thousand times more memorable than anything from the MCU. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, okay, I mean, we're, this is just going to be an MCU bashing <laughs> episode. Isn't every episode but, um, though? <laughs> but especially this one. Um, the only MCU song I can even like remember it, it's the Doctor Strange theme because there's a cool cover of it that's played with like a sitar. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and Doctor Strange is one of the more um, underrated Marvel films, but like, um, yeah, the music is just like bland, like born knockoff shit. Um, yeah, so then we are introduced to the symbiote um, as things are still kind of going well for Spider-Man. Uh, him and uh, Mary Jane are in this giant web, um, kind of like a hammock in Central Park yeah, or some park. Um, and then a meteorite just like crashes behind them. Uh, and that's our introduction to the symbiote. Which is fitting. No, I like the tone it. Of- I'm perfectly <laughs> fine with it. But I mean, also like from a metatextual example, like oh, Venom was just shoved yes, into this movie. That's it just very true. Came from space, like a, like a meteor <laughs> just crashed randomly. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great on so many levels. Um, mm. I so I would be fine with the symbiote and the introduction of the symbiote in this film if it didn't 
have Venom at the tail end. Like, if Venom was the fourth film and they just set up the symbiote in this one, which would make sense metatextually with the comics, I mean, because that's yep. introduced during Secret Wars and then Venom comes, like, decades later. Right. Right. Um, I don't know about decades, but, like, at least years later. At least later. years later. Okay. Um, but, yeah, the... It's, it's just this movie felt like two movies kind of, like, grafted together, honestly. Yeah. Because also concurrent with the introduction of the symbiote, we also get the introduction of um, Flint Marco, who is who becomes Sandman. Um, he's a petty thief. He's on the run from the law. He broke he broke out of jail. Um, we're introduced to his his estranged former wife and sick daughter, um, and th- that's actually a really effective um, set yeah. and like presentation mm-hmm. when he sneaks into his old home um, just to give his letters to his daughter or whatever um and we we were introduced to like his wife hates him and she wants him gone but the daughter misses him um apparently he 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 claims innocence he's just looking for money to help his sick daughter um so we get that nice little class parallel between peter and flint because they're both down in their lock they're both kind of struggling to get by right yeah Um, and he lives in a house like right next to the train tracks um, right, it's in right. a little bit disrepair, not as much disrepair as like Peter's apartment, which is hilarious throughout. Um, <laughs> yes. But like Flint Marco's house, like there's like old fashioned like flower wallpaper in the little girl's room, like wallpaper that like no child would actually want in their room. Right. Um, and then there's like dilapidated wallpaper, like this like kind of like ugly yellow and black gingham pattern in the kitchen. It's peeling off. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's a really good set. And it really just shows yeah. like the working class background of this character. And then he, he's kind of abruptly changed into Sandman in yeah. a great sequence. I also love that sequence. Yeah. He, he's fleeing the, he's fleeing the police that the police think they almost have him. Um, and he trips and fall. He, he jumps a fence and he's just like running blindly through a field, whatever. He, he's desperate. He's not even paying attention to where he's going. And then he trips and falls into a hole and it's this concrete hole filled with sand and there's this giant mechanical doohickey hanging out of his head. <laughs> yeah. And then it like cuts three to the prongs, and then they like <laughs> they like spin around him. Well, they, the the scientists in the control room say they're like, "Oh, we we have a we have a we have interference in in in, in area seven. Yeah, a change we, in mass. The, stop, they say, yeah, yeah. Do we stop the test? And someone's like, "No, it's probably a bird. <laughs> it'll, it'll fly off." <laughs> but yeah, it it quantum particle nonsense happens and he he fuses his body fuses with the the silicate the silica of the sand yeah mm-hmm. and he becomes sandman yeah and the scene the transfer his first transformation scene that is it's pretty cool i mean the yeah. cgi is wonky yeah. as the cgi is wonky throughout this whole movie um so yeah we see I, I forget what it cuts from but it cuts from i think a close-up of peter or somebody uh to um the this individual grains of sand and but they look gigantic because the camera's you know it's all cgi of course um but the camera's really close to it then it pans out and we see you know it's the sand pit again um Mm. and then the sand starts to move and the wind blows the sand and then you know uh, an arm forms a head forms legs form and he tries to like you know stand up and he's falling apart because he doesn't have control over his powers his head falls apart you know it's he tries to stand and he has to like make his legs even bigger so they can like support him it's just a really interesting scene it's kind of like all the stuff with sandman is like kind of tender throughout this whole movie Mm -hmm. 
uh to the best of my knowledge in the comics and stuff like he's always one of the, he's always been one of the more sympathetic villains like more of a tragic figure okay than than like a, a monster like like venom or, or um or like green goblin or something yeah. like he he always, I, I don't have much pool of reference to pull from here but like i know in some depictions he's always he cares about like his sick daughter like that's his primary motivation okay um rather than vengeance against spider-man specifically for for petty or, or selfish reasons right yeah so this movie is actually a case for uh medicare for all yeah <laughs> it, it, it kind of has the breaking bad problem like this wouldn't be an issue if he didn't need to steal right. money yeah to, to pay for a sickness yeah um but he does he has to um it's right. some you know nondescript illness that she like has a breathing tube like she has a oxygen tank and she has yeah, like she a cuts. cane it's it's movie sickness that like is invisible but it's really tragic because it's it's deadly yeah yeah um um also going going on while all this goes on we're introduced to gwen stacy yes yeah uh peter's um, lab partner peter's lab partner who he kind of has this flirtatious tension with um and and she she's i think a part-time model because yes. like, she's shooting a, she's She's shooting a, a scene with a photographer, um, and then that sets up this set piece because a crane is out of control and it smashes the building, and she almost falls out, but she's saved by Spider-Man, of course. Um, and then, oh my God, we're introduced to Eddie Brock. Uh, Eddie Brock, who is um, Peter's work rival. He's another young upstart go-getter photojournalist um, who's also dating Gwen Stacy or kind of they they dated or whatever yeah they had like a one night stand or something um it's 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 a funny introduction because um you know captain stacy is uh, james cromwell is looking up at his daughter you know suspended you know 30 40 stories up he's like oh my god what are we gonna do we have to cut down all the oh, yeah. he says like tell con edison to cut all the power to the block um and then uh you know eddie just uh, kind of saunters on next to him he's like he starts taking pictures he's like who are you he's like oh i'm eddie brock i'm a photojournalist and i'm uh, i'm dating your daughter uh, <laughs> he's he's pretty good um what's tover grace what's tover yeah tover grace he's he's such a smarmy shit yeah he does that movie. well and he has that like terrible um, like gelled haircut uh, it's just awful yeah, like, the, curly the frosted gel- tips. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, which is like perfect aughts uh stuff um yeah. and he, he he's a good like foil to peter like a professional foil yeah um, he's supposed to be like a chad you know like to to peter's virgin yeah yeah i could see that um so yeah, all, all this happens, it all gets resolved um, because he saved Gwen Stacy and just in general, the, the city of New York wants to give him the proverbial key, like have celebrate Spider-Man, have like a Spider-Man day. Right. Um, and this conflicts directly with, um, or, or this comes into, come, like, comes into conflict with um, MJ's, uh, she was fired from her play. Yeah, yeah, she got bad she reviews. Can't, she can't really sing well. Yeah. Um, and she she she's just kind of dumped unceremoniously because they weren't able to get in touch with her before she shows up to a performance or something, um, and so she feels underappreciated because like she sees Peter having like this whole day dedicated to him, and she sees this kind of flirtation that he has with Gwen because they kiss on stage because Gwen is the one to give him the key to the city, um, and then Harry comes back in. <laughs> this, this shit gets so complex. It does like get Harry way comes too back complex. in. <laughs> Um, cause he's acting nicer now cause he, he forgets all the drama with Peter. So he's just like this happy go lucky fail son. Um, and they start having like this flirtation 
like like they because they used to date too in the past right uh, mm-hmm. mj mj and harry yeah yeah um yeah i so there's there's a conflict that they should have just stuck with and i think that conflict is the internal conflict peter has of his nerd rage um, yes. but they yes, wanted to absolutely. also add in these re- relationship tensions and i think granted like they do the harry peter relationship tension pretty well they kind of drop the ball with the mj peter relationship tension um just because they keep like changing what why there's tension between them and kind of awkwardly throughout when it when it's introduced initially it's good because it feels real it feels um it feels like the culmination of a lot of subtle things that kind of come that kind of come to a head right um mj feels like she's 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 just taken for granted yep um and peter he loves her and cares about her but like he's not like angry with her like he he's not abusive and he's not he he doesn't like actively push her out of his life right mm-hmm. he um he he just does take her for granted um but then that kind of shifts with the introduction of venom because something else and another plot thread that's picked up here is the venom attaches itself to peter and he gets the black suit and um when he's researching the symbiote it 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 amplifies existing tendencies is what they say yeah is what dr dr kurt connor says and especially aggression yeah it it amplifies aggression um but existing aggression right so so peter's kind of selfish behavior at that point shifts from selfish behavior to like just anger and just anger at everything Mm -hmm. um so it it feels like conflating two separate threads here that could have either one could have worked on their own yeah exactly and i think you know with the nerd rage specifically so you know we have peter parker who in his real life things aren't going according to plan really you know his relationship with mary jane is faltering um he still lives in this crummy little apartment um eddie brock is gonna take his job at the daily bugle um but as his spider-man persona the city is literally giving him the key to the city so you know there's that tension between the public and the private life of this character um, mm-hmm. And that is definitely the aggression that is there that is then amplified. Um, but, you know, once they add that other relationship element into it, plus the other threads of redemption with Sandman and, and Green Goblin, I think they're just trying to do too many things. But it's way, it's way, it's way too but much. But everything they're trying to do is still interesting. That's the thing. Yeah. Like it would work in that, a comic book, I think, but just not in a singular movie. Yeah, that that's the that's the kind of the paradox of this movie. Like it tries to do too much and it doesn't cohere, but all the things it does, it does them well right. despite mm-hmm. that. It's an ambitious it, movie. It's it's way more ambitious than it has to be. It's it's greater than the sum of its parts, even if that sum isn't great. Yeah. And it's not terrible though either. Like I don't know. No, no, no. Like no. it's it's still a good movie and I think I mean, it'd be impossible to, like, edit Venom out of the existing movie because, like, you know, the last fight scene, he's so integral to it. But, like, if we can go back and edit and just shoot things differently so that they could possibly edit Venom out of this movie, like, it'd be pretty damn good. Yeah. Just take out take out Venom, kind of kind of smooth out the writing with Gwen Stacy. I think just not make her Gwen Stacy. Yeah, just make make her her a different person. (laughs) another attractive like like threat to mary jane's relationship with peter Mm -hmm. um me girlfriends in the comic books they could have just taken like literally any other name liz allen i think yeah like anybody who didn't like 
you know, wasn't his first girlfriend who died. Like, yeah. <laughs> simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, eventually, um, Spider-Man does come into contact with or co- into conflict with with Sandman just because he's doing patrol and right. runs into Sandman. Yeah. Um, Sandman escapes because um from Peter stealing money. Um, it's never explicitly stated, but he's stealing money to pay for his his kids' treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind um, of implied. And then, what happens next? Like, um, he breaks up with Mary Jane. Mary Jane yeah, Mary Jane. Mary Jane breaks up with him, but that's no, because he he Harry, wants to propose to Mary Jane. Yes, he wants to propose propose to Mary Jane, but the, uh, she, he sees Gwen Stacy is at the fancy restaurant uh, with her parents, and they talk briefly and she's like all over peter she's like putting her hands on his shoulders and that really sets mary jane off and she's like this this isn't working and she leaves the restaurant um there's a funny little uh bit of humor with uh bruce campbell as the mater d doing an amazing french accent yeah an amazing french accent (laughs) (laughs) so that gets frustrated um mj gets closer to harry because she when she gets fired from the play um she wants to turn to a sympathetic shoulder and they hang out in his apartment and they they kiss but then she runs off because she feels bad mm-hmm. um and then this is when harry's memories come flooding back yes. yeah that just happens randomly like nothing he doesn't get hit on the head again like he's just in his uh his in pe- his penthouse home and he's looking at this um incredible portrait of willem dafoe yes. um yes. which is it's sort of implied that he painted it as well in in mm-hmm. canonically within the film because we see yep. him painting a still life when mary jane first comes to the apartment so yes. it's like did he also paint this incredible portrait of his father <laughs> <laughs> um i think the i think the idea is that like because mary jane left him and she also left him for Peter in the, right, first, in the movie. first movie. Yeah, maybe that kind of triggered the yeah. return of his memories. Yeah, that triggers his memories, or or just time because time passing can right. feel can, yeah, can exactly overcome memory loss. Um, but yeah, he becomes evil again, and then he ambushes Mary Jane when she gets back to her place, and he forces her to break up with Peter officially um, to hurt Peter because he remembers that Peter's Spider Man and Spider Man killed his father. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um so peter feels really crappy but then he puts on the black suit and he kind of feels better because it brings out it he it gives him license to like just be a complete dick mm-hmm. yeah so you know this is where we get the the much the, derided uh jazz sequence the jazz club the, sequence the the not saturday night the fever. not saturday the, night the sunday the sunday night fever <laughs> um <laughs> these uh, sunday night matinee in france uh jerry lewis films uh yes, yes. <laughs> um it works like fuck you it works it's great it's well shot it's incredibly shot very well shot um it works in the sequence in the flow of the movie like i had seen the scene on its own just on youtube like as a like years ago my god this looks like crap but within the flow of the narrative um because it happens like in this montage where he gets eddie brock fired because eddie brock faked photos of spider-man they have to publish a retraction um, he's like flirting with other girls like a dork he gets a wardrobe update he he's um, his hairstyle even changes a tad he gets emo yeah, hair emo hair um so like he's doing all these cool quote-unquote cool badass quote-unquote badass things um so it works like within that presentation because it's from his perspective and he thinks he's cool right. but he's just being a exactly dork. it's it's what 
the character of Peter Parker, this yes. dork-ass loser, would think is cool. And that's what people it's, didn't get. Like, that's what I didn't yes. even get when I was a kid. That's what my friends didn't yep. get. Like, we just took it as face value. Like, oh, this director and this writer are dumb. They don't understand what actually cool is. It's like, no. Like, it's supposed to be fairly uncool, actually. It's what a 2007 Fedora Sir Epic yes. Reddit mm-hmm. guy would think is cool. Yep. Exactly. Which is brilliant. It is fucking brilliant. It is fucking brilliant. <laughs> it works so well. Yeah. Um. And, but he and he still is kind of a charmer at the same time. Like he still does have like that, you know, nutty professor, buddy love persona, you know, like right. some, some women do actually find him attractive. And like Gwen Stacy is, you know, her, her heart is all a flutter. I was about to say her fart is all, <laughs> her fart is all <laughs> doing a spoonerism there. Uh. And, and, and to her credit, when she realizes that he was putting on this performance, in front of Mary, like he deliberately takes Gwen to Mary Jane's. Oh yeah, restaurant. she yeah she gets a job at this jazz club as a waitress slash singer. Yeah, yeah, and um, he he puts on this whole song and dance in front of MJ and like very suggestively flirts with and dances with Gwen, but as as a means to hurt MJ. Yeah, um, Gwen is kind of horrified and she runs off, and that's her role in the movie. That's, that's it. it. Yeah, we don't think we see her again. Well, she she's seen it at Harry's funeral at the end. Oh, right, 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 right. But that's that's it. really like, it, though. She she has no she has no other presence in the yeah. movie. Mm-mm. Um, and so yeah, Peter's being a dork to everyone. Um, he he beats up the the bouncers at the bar. Yeah, yeah. And and he accidentally hits MJ. So like that's kind of like the the trigger that causes him to feel. It's like that 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 pulls the that pulls the plug from everything. Um, he runs to a church. Yes. Um, At the same time this, that Eddie goes to a church, which is okay. This is I, I have to I have to praise the scene for a little bit because when Peter gets Eddie fired, um, he he threatens him at first. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna tell everyone like you're gonna be seen for a fake and you suck and I'm gonna get this job." Blah blah blah. And Eddie begs him. He's like, "Please, please, I'm so sorry. Like I, I took I cheated to get ahead. Just like this will ruin me." And then Peter says an amazing line. He's like, "You want forgiveness? Get religion." And so Peter shows up at the church and like he's trying to rip this goop off his chest um, and it's like really hard to get off. And at the same time, in in the church beneath him, praying at a pew, um, Eddie's like, I come to you humble and, and, and humiliated. He's talking to a fucking crucifix, <laughs> okay? He's like, I come to you asking only one thing. Kill Peter Parks. <laughs> okay. Like I didn't, I didn't expect him to say that. I didn't remember that. It was so good. Praying to Jesus <laughs> to kill Peter Parker <laughs> is amazing. Oh, it's incredible. It's amazing. It's uh, so fucking good. It's like that's some lapsed Catholic energy right there. <laughs> and 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 his prayers are answered because the goop drops down in the in the room next to him and it falls on him and he gains the venom powers. Yeah. Well, now he hears that. So um, Peter starts. Um, wrestling with the goop and he hits into the bell he's in the bell tower and right, the, the right. noise um you know it sets off the the symbiote and, and it's it's easier for him to tear it off um but eddie of course hears the bells at probably at a time when the bells probably shouldn't be going off um and he goes into um this the stairwell that would get you up to the bell in the bell tower right, right, um and right. he looks up and the piece of goo falls on but he quickly gets it off of him and then the rest of the goo falls on top of him right um as peter um sheds it all and is completely naked but they're too cowardly and don't show us his butt <laughs> spider dick um <laughs> but yeah also all this sets up that venom the, the symbiote is weak to sonic 
to, to, to loud to loud yeah, noises. vibrations or whatever. Yeah. I'm not a scientist. In in the comics, venom is weak to fire and to loud noise. Yeah, and we see the fire later too. That's true. I guess. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. Um. So yeah, we have Harry working in the background to destroy Peter's personal life before he kills him, and um. During Peter's like emo montage scene, he beats up Harry and almost kills him with a bomb. Right. Mm-hmm. They tussle in Harry's apartment, and then Peter gets away. But then after Peter gets the symbiote off, he kind of has a heart to heart with Aunt May. Like they, there's one of them in all these movies, and she's great. Rosemary Harris is great. Yeah. Um, and then the symbiote Venom teams up with Sandman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To capture MJ. Yeah, yeah, they ca- they capture MJ and they they hold her hostage at the top of the construction tower. Yeah, and that's kind of it. Like, I yeah. mean, and from the church to that construction site, that's maybe like two minutes. Like they it's, really it's very just abrupt. offload yeah. all of that shit. Very abrupt. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of call out. They kind of call out Spider Man, like Venom uses his webs to write like spider-man come and save this woman like we'll we'll kick your ass or something here it's a message in it yeah i forgot what he wrote um and then spider-man goes there but he can't beat sandman and venom together right yeah and he actually before he goes there he goes to harry's penthouse and he's like harry i can't do this alone can you help me right Right, and right, then we, right. that's when we see Harry's disfigured on the right side of his face it looks really good actually yeah it's i really it's like that aesthetic scar. yeah yeah, yeah. It's not too much. Like it's just enough. Um, yeah, it, it's very it's very subtle, but like something not subtle, but it's like more subtle than you'd expect. But it's clearly his his face is fucked up. Yeah, and it also makes sense like within the film that he would survive one of the pumpkin bomb blasts because he's been dosing himself with the same chemicals that his dad right. did. So like he does have like you know enhanced strength and probably some enhanced endurance, so he could take a right. blast to the face without like his head fucking exploding. Yeah, that that's important to mention. He 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 has the same Green Goblin juice that Willem Dafoe did, so he can actually fight alongside Spider Man and with Spider Man. Yeah, exactly. He can actually go toe to toe, and the toe to toe sequence that they have in his penthouse is pretty good. Like, yeah, it's one of the, yeah, the few that it's like close combat. Well, I mean, there's the close combat sequence with Sandman in the subway, but that's another one of those ones where like they fall down and they do all this crazy. There's a lot of crazy camera work, but with this one, it's like just one space. Um, you know, pretty simple action, very little CGI. Right. Um, again, a great use of the scenery. James Franco is hissing like some kind of kind some kind of hybrid between Willem Dafoe and like a like a house cat. Yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> He's got his weapons are cool. So he has like the blades yeah, yeah. on his arms. And he, he has, has a katana. His, yeah, he's a fucking. Yeah, weed. He's, a, he's a weed. He has a katana. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a green like hyper vibrating yeah it like glows or something i yeah. don't know it's great it's incredible <laughs> um you know what we also forgot to mention because there's so much in this damn movie that sandman has been retconned to be the killer of uncle ben oh shit yeah that's really important actually um, we, we, we get a lot of flashbacks to it we get a lot of references to it and it's pretty much the only thing that captain stacy does yes he, he tells peter and aunt may does he or does another guy like isn't there no, like it, a black guy tells them no it's uncle it's is it, is it, it's captain stacy is yeah. it captain stacy okay because there's Cause the other they, guy maybe there's two people in the like there's the two other, cops the other guy when we're introduced to flint marco he tells captain stacy yes okay all that. yeah and yeah, captain yeah. stacy is the one that says he goes to the station, that's yeah. right that's right okay that's right 
um yeah so he killed uh uncle ben it wasn't um michael papa john <laughs> it was papa john innocent papa john <laughs> um yeah he's and too busy eating 50 pizzas <laughs> We kind of get like a like a Rashomon style thing because Peter imagines it in his head and it's a really vicious killing. Yeah. yeah. But then when, spoiler alert, later at the end of the movie when Sandman tells him about it, um, it's it's an accidental discharge from the from the gun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Peter imagines that like he took Uncle Ben out of the car, threw him on the ground, and just shot him point blank. That was it. Um, but what actually happened was um. Sandman's partner, uh, Doctor Papa John's, uh, <laughs> he he kind of startled him, and the gun went off accidentally. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He had the gun out already. The gun was pointed at Uncle Ben, and accidental discharge. Um, so, but so this is what's really interesting, and I think this is what they again. This is what they should have focused on. They yes, should have focused on absolutely. Peter you know, who cannot forgive Marco for killing his uncle and then um, Harry who can't forgive Peter for killing his father. Exactly. And how both these things are actually exactly. not how they imagined them. Yes. How they need forgiveness and then yep. the guys who did the bad deeds also get to have redemption. Also, another angle they should have played up more is um, Peter almost murdered the other, Papa John. Right. Because he Because in the first movie, he thought Papa John killed his uncle yeah and he almost did something bad but that that anger was misplaced when it was actually marco who killed his uncle so pete like even from the start peter's anger almost caused him to become a murderer right they, yeah. they should have played up that ang- that, that's just like such a potent thing because like spider-man the character is all about like guilt and like doing the right thing out of guilt and um or i mean ultimately doing the right thing for for higher reasons but being guilt into doing the right thing mm-hmm um, the sense of responsibility and that I'm, I'm just kind of surprised that they kind of let that ang- that that thing kind of they didn't really play up that angle yeah no for sure it's um it's a it's a missed opportunity um and that that is really the the, the common thread throughout this film is these these missed opportunities but like they just miss it by like a hair that's always the problem like by they, a grain they, of sand a grain of sand <laughs> Um, so yeah, all, all that is bubbling beneath the surface be- between Spider-Man and, and Sandman. Um, all of the best Spider-Man villains are very close to him personally, I think. Yeah. Um, which is another reason that kind of Venom feels so out of place. Um, so yeah, the, the, the stage is set between Venom and, and Sandman who have captured or who have married Jane held hostage and then Spider-Man is rejected or Pe- Peter's rejected by Harry and he goes out to fight them alone. And then the other worst part of this movie happens when Harry's butler <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, tells him um, conveniently now of all times of all that times. no, Spider-Man didn't kill your father. Your father was wound. It's, so, it's set up so poorly. Oh, like, it's so, so weird. Worded. He's like, I, I've served in this household for decades and I've seen so many things and kept quiet about it until now. And I know... I cleaned your father's wounds after he was brought in dead and his wounds were from his own glider. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's ridiculous. I loved um, your father. I love you, Harry. Yeah, it, Do the right thing. <laughs> that so completely undercuts Harry's forgiveness of Peter to right. make it almost inconsequential. Yep. Yeah. No, because he, he would still be angry with Peter if he thought he killed his father. Right. Exactly. 
Yeah. So he really just should have like at that moment just been like, uh, got to go out. Or just like not even have that Butler character and just have like, like a wordless scene of, of, of James Franco thinking and like feeling bad and remembering his, his best friend or something. Yeah. Anything but that scene. Yeah. Yeah. So then he goes and helps. Um, it's a good fight overall. Like it's a, it's a cool sequence. Yeah. I was surprised at how well, um, spider-man and new goblin teaming up together as good guys against two villains Mm -hmm. that they had such good camaraderie and like they they were trading quips but it wasn't too much and they weren't overdone Mm -hmm. and like they their powers like complement each other well yeah it was like a better team up than the fucking avengers movie oh for sure yeah no they they, um that use of like the technology and and the just the the, space. The organic stuff and, and then the space itself of the construction site they really use that well in this one probably the best use of space of all the the fight sequences mm-hmm. i would say um uh the 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 green goblin um hoverboard uh shoots fire at yes. sandman and it turns into glass yes, I and love then he that cuts sequence. his arm off that was yeah, so good that was amazing yeah um yeah it's um no overall like it's just it's it's these unique uses of the characters uh you know distinct characteristics and and their you know unique styles of fighting um, and also not having a bunch of heroes team up against like a faceless army of battle droids right because that's all the avengers do they they or having having adversaries or having adversaries who like have their own unique power sets like sandman can make your hero who has their own unique power sets interact in cool ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Visually distinctive in like thematically resonant ways. That's not just like literally blasting video game characters. Yeah. No. And that's what the Spider-Man films have always done so well. I mean, yes. since the first one with the green goblin and of course with doc Ock, like yeah. it just makes sense. You know, you have these fleshed out characters with these fleshed out power sets and um, you know, you get a dynamic film, but um, we have lost that now, folks. Uh, thank you, Kevin Feige. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Chitauri. Chitauri. <laughs> uh, thank you, Bob Iger. Yep. Um, so, of course, Harry and Peter defeat Sandman. Um, and then Harry sacrifices himself to save Peter in the same way his dad dies, actually. Yep. By blocking um, blades on a hoverboard. And then Peter defeats Venom and um destroys venom but then eddie dies he peter doesn't peter definitely doesn't kill eddie but eddie in in his in his desire to save the symbiote from the bomb that peter throws at it also dies by happenstance right yeah so and i thought the way before that like the first way he started to vanquish the symbiote like just putting these like these metal tubes all around him right um and then just hitting them with another metal pipe um and making you know that that sonic resonance that like was cool cage, yeah like, around like a him. cage around yeah. him that was really cool mm-hmm. um and then the use of one of harry's you know pumpkin bombs um yep. for the finishing blow is is, is great as well mm-hmm. um and it should be said that Venom kills Harry because Venom is, he's about to drive the right. stakes of the uh, hoverboard through uh, Spider-Man, but then right. Harry jumps in, in his way. Yeah. And um, another thing that happens in this fight that's notable, uh, MJ participates a little bit. She throws a cinder block at Venom. Oh, yeah. That's so right. like, she actually does the most in this movie out of any of them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and just Raimi is so good at ratcheting up the tension. Yes. In in each one of these sequences, you know, if it's um, even just the action set piece of Gwen Stacy um, hanging off the building, like he always knows what to do and the exact moment to do it. And, you know, it's always just something bigger and better, but it doesn't seem arbitrary and it works really well. Um, and what, and then uh, Sandman tells Peter everything and then Peter forgives Sandman. And then Sandman kind of just like drifts away. Yes. He doesn't die. I love it. He just drifts away. He just turns into a dust cloud, a sand cloud, and he just mm-hmm. goes away. It's fucking great. I remember thinking it was stupid as a kid, but I was no. Dumb. It, it, he's just gonna leave. Like he, he's he doesn't like de- dematerialize and die. Like he right. Like I I kind of knew the basic plot of this movie before I even went into it. But like I thought that he dies, but he doesn't. He just he just leaves. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then the actual ending of the film is good as well. So we get um, Harry's funeral, whatever. Who cares? Mm-hmm. But then we get a moment of um, reconciliation with uh, Peter and MJ. Yes. And it's just, a, it's a small moment. I mean, they just hug. I don't even think they kiss in this moment. Peter walks, Peter goes back to the bar she, she works at. Um, and he takes her hand and she steps down and they start dancing together, I think. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And it just ends. Yeah. It, it's super low key. It's super quiet. It, it really, I thought it was going to end with their wedding or something. Yeah, um, that's what I thought it did, but um, no, she leaves the wedding in the second film because she right, gets she... married to um, Man Wolf, uh, J- Jameson's <laughs> yeah, uh, son. She's gonna get married, yeah, to to J- JJJ's son, who he thinks, who, who in the comics is the alter ego of Man Wolf. Yeah, um, amazing. But yeah, she she leaves him at the altar and she runs back to Peter, and they they have like a big reconciliation moment. But um, yeah, no, she. They they just it's like this very quiet, very low key, um, and it's all visually. There's there's no words, which is perfect. That's right. Yeah. Um, Peter holds out his hand, and she takes it, and she she forgives him, keeping with the theme of forgiveness throughout this whole movie, like right. forgiveness and self forgiveness, and it just kind of quietly fades to black as they dance together. It's it's yeah. great. Yeah. It, it's it's probably the most impactful like superhero movie ending like I can think of that mm-hmm. I've ever really seen. Yeah. No, I agree. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, like Bob Mandela says in the beginning of his review, like um, when you start focusing on the emotions and backstories of the characters, maybe, you know, it's uh, time to give up the ghost or whatever, but he's wrong. Like, that's what you should be doing. You should be focusing on the emotions, the backstories, and, you know, these character motivations. Like, what else do you want out of any film or any piece of media? Like, I mean, even if they're punching each other in the face and there's all these action set pieces, like, in the long run, these are stories about, human beings their trials and tribulations like i don't what what do you want yeah the the reason a lot of the stuff works is because like like the reason spider-man works so well in many cases is because like so many of his villains are caught up in his own personal life too and that makes it more resonant that makes it more weighty right um i i i don't know i i don't know i i, I can't fathom like the Modelo mindset, like just no. I want I want characters that have little to no backstory, just like bouncing off each other. Like who who, right. who could say that with a straight face? Right, exactly. Oh, I know who could. Uh, the other film, Robert, 
whose favorite movie is Godzilla uh, King of the Monsters from 2019. Uh, and he actually, in his dumb fucking video, played with action figures because that's all he cares about. He just cares about CGI bullshit <laughs> pixels just bashing up against each other. So there's 20... plenty of people who just fucking want that. Like, that's why Avengers is so fucking popular. 2020 mindset, folks. We're, we're just starting We're just starting online beef for clout here. Um, it's gonna, perfectly fine. It. He's yeah. a fucking moron. And he has the dumbest fucking takes about anything politically and, and film as well. Like he's not yes. smart in any no. way, shape and no. form. And everybody uh, should not listen to his videos. Don't do targeted harassment. That's bad, of course. But just Correct. like don't engage with his <laughs> bullshit. Like don't engage with his fucking stupid content. Yes, please. Uh, neoliberalism is bad. Be, yeah. be a leftist. Don't be, be a, a socialist, fucking folks. Yeah. liberal elite technocratic shill, as he says in his fucking Twitter bio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't do that uh, listen to us um but yeah that that is spider-man 3 and um it's good folks it's good <laughs> I, I i think we i think we laid out very clearly um on art on an artistic level and on a personal level why the marvel cinematic universe movies um are are the 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 weightless cotton candy fluff that they are and why kind of more director driven movies like this one. And, and to be fair to the MCU, like the James Gunn movies right. um, yep. are better in what, yes. why they're just, they're, they're better on every level. Um, if you, there are some MCU movies that I like, it's, it's just, they, they can't compare to, to something like the Raimi trilogy. No, for sure. You know, I mean, it's, um, it's really night and day. So, um, Workers of note, we have a few here. Um, mm-hmm. Big fan of the cast of this film. Um, the cast of all three, honestly, just incredible. Um, but even specifically for this one, yeah. like Thomas Hayden Church is amazing. Oh yeah, as mm-hmm. Sandman, he he's so the the pathos that he brings to the role, um, the like the the put upon antihero of the world. He's just he can't catch a break. Yeah, uh, very very well done. Mm-hmm. And even you know Bryce Dallas Howard as as Gwen Stacy. I, I think she mm-hmm. you know just plays that bubbly personality um the other girl pretty well other girl that doesn't want to be another girl yeah, because exactly. she, she's she's mortified when she finds out right i mean she she brings that other element to it um it is it's a nuanced portrayal you know mm-hmm. it's which i totally forgot about i was just like i was like wait what is she doing this movie and but yeah you know she has a place um i don't and, know if um, she would have had a place in the other in the next film but who knows no and um the other the other major new character in this in this movie is uh Tover Grace as um as Eddie Brock is right. great. Just yep. complete complete hair slicked back, kiss ass kind of like like smug smug douchebag basically. But he yep. he he gives that nuance too. Like that again, that scene where he prays to the crucifix <laughs> of Jesus to please kill Spider Man or Peter Parker is like incredible. I was not expecting that. No. I was dying when I, I, I watched it. It's so good. Um, yeah, so um, this is all to say that uh, we should be giving kudos to the um, the folks in the casting department, uh, specifically yep. casting director uh, Kathy Driscoll, uh, casting director Francine Maisler, and uh, two uncredited casting associates, Jeffrey Gaffner and Ali Murray. Yeah, um, just one other, <laughs> one other fun little uncredited person here that we want to recognize is um john f teeple who was a driver which i can't imagine is easy 
under the best of circumstances in New York City. No. Yeah. Much less working on the most expensive movie yeah. ever made right. as of 2007. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, good job. Good job, John. Closing thoughts. Uh, who would you recommend this to? Um, I guess for our broke, broke recommendation, um, real hardcore MCU fans, honestly, like, yeah, we we kind of unwittingly made this review the anti, anti-Marvel anti Cinematic Universe <laughs> review, but, like, I'll, I'll, like, meet us halfway. Give Spider-Man 3 another shot. Um, the good stuff is really good in this movie. Um, the bad stuff is forgivable. And um, the good to bad ratio in what's good and what's bad is a very stark contrast to all of these MCU movies. Yeah. Again, with, with the requisite exception of, like, James Gunn. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so for our woke recommendation, um, I would recommend this film to fans of the film Venom. Uh, <laughs> so to us, basically. To us. Um, you know, it's Venom looks cool, at least. He, th- this Venom? Yeah, this Venom. I think he looks fine. I don't know. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but I don't. I, I wouldn't say fine. Oh yeah, I mean he's better, much better. The Tom Hardy Venom, like obviously Tom Hardy's better as Eddie yes. Brock, I think, or he's different, but he's also better. Um, yeah, he, he's he's just completely different character. Yeah, um, and his Venom just it obviously looks better. I mean, probably just because of like you know technology and the technological mm-hmm. advancements. Um, but you know, if you got like the, you're, you're itching for that Venom fix, then you know this is perfectly suitable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, our bespoke recommendation is for aging millennial nerds. Again, us. Us. <laughs> um, who, um, who, but this is not us, this next bit. Uh, whose pop culture sensibilities calcified around 2010. Right. Um, look, guys, like, new decade. It's 2020. Um, Spider-Man 3 is great. Accept it. Um, Twilight was not the worst thing in the world. Like, right. all, all these kind of preformed internet consensus opinions um that kind of like really come out of reddit i think and like yeah, certain, think so. in certain sections of twitter and like tumblr and stuff like oh yeah i guess i guess think for yourself that's the message that's the message of this episode yeah. think for yourself uh embrace stuff that isn't isn't like deemed to be the worst or the worst or best thing in the universe um in, engage with things that have a bad reputation because you just might enjoy them. Yeah. If you find yourself going to IMDb's top 100 often in your life, um, please stop doing that in 2020. <laughs> yes. Um, there, There is a way to like and appreciate Spider-Man 3 and Venom um, that isn't 100% ironic, that is sincere. And I think we've kind of shown you the way for both of those movies. Mm-hmm. I think so. You know, and there were a lot of think pieces in the in the last uh, few months of 2019 about how basically the 2010s were the uh, decade of the nerd. You know, the nerd finally got that power. Oh, God, uh, yeah. And that's why we see films like uh, the MCU films. Um, that's why, you know, things are... Ba- I mean, all film and television is basically geared <clears throat> towards nerds at this point. Um, yep. So let's just push back against that a little bit. Um, you know, like don't just like consume everything that's being 
fed to you, spoon spoon fed to you? I mean, you, you can consume it and, and, and engage with whatever the hell you want to. Like, no, don't don't watch it. Actually, yeah, <laughs> you you can you can you can consume and engage with whatever you want to. Just um, recognize that like narratives are built and propped up around everything. Think nothing exists in a vacuum, and um, in taste is is yeah like the dumb dumb line but taste is subjective and like or you can go a decade without watching spider-man 3 not realizing how good it is like i did right you know and i think we've had those kind of epiphanies with a lot of films yes um we had that epiphany with ballistics s x versus sever sorry ballistic it's not plural i keep wanting to do that um but yeah, I think, you know, if you get caught up in the, the nerd narratives, uh, ones that really uh, came to the surface in the 2010s um, and, and became the narrative about films, I mean, um, first of all, there shouldn't be the narrative or a singular narrative yes. uh, about a film. That's yes. absurd. Um, so, like Nick said, please think for yourselves. Which, yeah. which is to say you can fucking ignore us as well. That's thinking for yourself. <laughs> That's thinking for yourself. That's exactly <laughs> it. Um, yeah, just uh, I'm just sick to death of like the Reddit and Tumblr kind of discourse, and just l- right. let that let that die. Keep it in the keep it in the 2010s. Yeah, it's a new decade. It's a new world. It's all going to burn down soon anyway, so it's all kind of moot. So just listen to us. Yeah, definitely. Um, no war with Iran, folks. Correct. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Fuck all wars except class war exactly um peter parker would agree as the as the as the lower cra- lower class underdog hero he is yep um peter parker peter parker says no war with iran <laughs> <laughs> but there's one person who online who says war with iran oh and he's God. a huge <laughs> doofus nerd <laughs> i guess we'll just end with this little anecdote uh the joker in in canon became an iranian ambassador that's right. to the UN. that's right <laughs> to gain <laughs> diplomatic immunity from killing Jason Todd. Like that that was his that was his reason for accepting it. Yep. But yeah, the Ayatollah um can like I guess like baptized him as like a Iranian senate like yeah. ambassador, which is amazing. Incredible folks. Joker Joker and <laughs> Joker and Peter Parker say no war fight. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next week, folks. We'll see you next week assuming we're all still here. <laughs> Spider-Man!